We're going to go ahead and jump into our message this week. We have a couple more weeks of our, our uh, weeds or wheat series, and then we're going to be jumping into a Christmas series that I'm looking forward to. But uh, before we really jump in, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. And God, I ask that you would just help me during this time to communicate the things that you want communicated, that my words would cease and yours would begin. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. It's going to our, our main uh, verse for the series. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life. It's, it's really this concept or this idea that in life, depending on what we sow, we're going to reap from that. We're going to see the results of that. And we have kind of an option. We can either harvest some weeds or that are, that are you know, kind of gross and, and not good and life-stealing, or we can harvest some wheat which is life-giving. And so all this series has been about growth and how God uh, is, is there. And, and one of the things we always want to talk about is the fact that God wants us to grow and that God helps us to grow. I really want us to get that. I, I know that sometimes you kind of hear that over and over again the last several weeks, but I want that to really pound into our head so that it doesn't just stay there for the next couple of weeks, but hopefully for the next couple of years, that concept that God wants us to grow and God wants to help us to grow. He doesn't just say, hey, listen, I want you to have some, some, some plants, some good stuff, and I want you to harvest some good stuff. I want to be a part of helping you to do that. So we've been looking at the life of David in this series to kind of help us understand that growth. In, in David's life, we really see the really kind of the very beginnings, and we even see all the way to his death. So we really get to see him growing. We get to see some of the great things he did, some of the mistakes that he made. But one of the things that we really need to stop here, kind of almost, you know, not quite midway, but almost finished with the series, but I want to talk about something that I think is very, very important. Because as we look at the life of David, we, what we have been doing really is we've been looking at the things that he's done or or people that have influenced him and things like that which is all great but today really what I want to talk about is one of the most important things in David's life that I really truly believe made a huge impact on his growth on who he was and basically how God was able to take him as as this kind of scrawny uh, backwoods shepherd and turn him into the greatest king of Israel. Okay, and I think it's very important that we understand that as we talk about this this morning. So we're not actually going to be in the Old Testament necessarily this morning. We are going to look at something a little bit different. So we're going to start in Acts 13. In Acts 13, Paul here is speaking and he is kind of talking to some people and he brings up a very important point that we need to see together this morning. So Acts 13 verse 22 says this. After removing Saul, now this is not Saul in the, that became Paul, this is Saul from the Old Testament, just so we know. He made David their king. God testified concerning him, okay? I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That is such an amazing testimony. Can you imagine? I, just, I mean, sit here for a second. Just think about this. Like, like, if God could say anything about you, if God could testify about who you are, what an amazing thing to God, have God say about you. 
That God says, hey, listen, this person, this man, this woman is a man or a woman after my own heart. Because heart matters. Heart is important. Heart, and we're going to see throughout this message this morning, how vital this really is to our walk with God, our understanding of God. All these things are going to be important. Because we have to understand how vital heart really is. Look at Proverbs 4, 23. It's a verse many of you have heard before. Guard your heart above all else. It doesn't just say guard your heart kind of or guard your heart among other things. It says above everything. If you're going to guard something, if you're going to set out kind of the, the security guard in your life over anything, the first thing you got to do is guard your heart. Why? And it continues on here and tells us why in Proverbs 4.23. It says, it determines the course of your life. Stop and think about this. Sometimes, listen, I know, and listen, I'm going to stop right here and just say the, the, the scriptures that we're going to be talking about, a lot of you know. Don't forget that there is some deep things in this message that you need to understand, even though if you've heard this parable that we're going to get to a lot. And the same with this verse. Listen to what God is communicating to you and me. He's saying, if you want to chart your course in life a certain way, the, your heart is almost like a rudder. Your heart will determine the course of your life. And I know in my own life, I see this constantly. When my heart's in a good place, I am steered towards the things of God. I'm steered to peace, love, joy, kindness, self-control, all those things. But listen, when my heart gets out of whack, there's some, some stuff that comes out of this that isn't good. Why? How do we know? We go back to Galatians. What we reap, we, what we sow, we will reap. So once again, we're seeing this, but your heart matters. And here's the thing you need to understand as we get into our story that we're really going to look at this morning. Your heart determines your harvest. I'll repeat that. You need to understand. Your heart determines your harvest. Now, we're going to talk about a certain part of that, but really, I could literally say, as we looked at in Proverbs uh, 4, your heart determines how your life is going to go. I'm narrowing it down, but you need to understand this is even broader than just what we're going to be talking about this morning. Your heart determines your harvest. We're going to go look in Mark chapter 4 today. We're going to look at a parable that Jesus gives that, again, some of us may know. If you don't, that's okay. But it's something we really need to understand because it's going to really chart how we live our lives. So we're going to be in Mark 4. We're going to start with verses 1 and 2. And this is what it says. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. So in, in Mark 4, 1 through 2, we kind of get a setting. Jesus is teaching and where they actually believe. It's very cool. Where they actually believe that Jesus was teaching at this time was basically, it, it kind of formed a natural amphitheater. And so Jesus could actually go and get onto this boat and speak out and thousands of people could hear him just because of the way the land was formed. And so Jesus comes and he begins to teach, okay? So now we're going to see the parable that Jesus shares in Mark 4, 3 through 9. So follow along with me, either on the screen or if your Bible, whatever you got. This is what it says. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. 
As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because, of the, because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who has ears to listen should understand. Listen and understand, okay? So Jesus here is trying to say, hey, this is important. You need to get this. You need to catch this. And he goes one step further. He says, it's not just about listening. It's about also understanding. So we don't want to just be listening this morning. We want to understand. And so we're going to break down very quickly this parable. Basically, there's four types of soil, okay? Four types of soil. It can be on the screen up there, but we got four types of soil. First is a footpath. Okay, now just for you know, a footpath here is, and we kind of get into this in a little bit maybe, but, but basically this idea of, of, a, of, a, of a farmer in Israel and in where this area was, there wasn't a lot of flat land. This is not Kansas, okay, does that make sense? Okay, so a lot of hills, a lot of things, and what they would do is they would have footpaths along the area where they would plant seeds, and this is where people would walk and so on and so forth. And so basically the concept here is what would happen is the farmer would have a big sack kind of over his shoulder, and he would have seed, and he would scatter this seed. He would throw it. He wouldn't bend down, plant a seed, and then cover it up. He would just kind of scatter the seed. So there was a footpath that he would typically walk on to scatter the seed. So that's the first type of soil that we see, this idea of a footpath. Next we see the idea of shallow, okay? Shallow areas. Why is this? That's because in Israel there wasn't a lot of good soil, okay? They usually say that uh, at this time especially there would maybe be one to two inches of good soil and then underneath it it was usually like bedrock, Okay, or just really, really packed down, hard to, hard to grow stuff, okay? So then there was kind of this shallow area in, in this farmer's field. The next is a thorny area where there's basically, once again, weeds and thorns that have grown up. That's self-explanatory. And then obviously the last one is this idea of fertile ground. Ground that is ready to accept the seed and ready. Now, here's the other thing. There's also four outcomes of the seed. Okay, there's four outcomes of this seed. The first is the idea of the footpath. Okay, on the footpath, birds come and eat it. When the seed hits the, the, that area, birds come, eat it, take it away, and it's gone. The next is the shallow. It sprouts quickly, but then the sun and you know, things hit it, and basically it wilts and goes away. Then there's thorny, which is they grew well, but the thorns and the weeds choked it out and killed it. And then the final one is this idea of this fertile area and fertile soil, and it produced 30, 60, and even 100 times what was planted there in it. And so we have basically, in our story, we have four different types of soil, and we have four different results depending on where the seed falls. Okay, I want to give you a little bit of a breakdown real quickly of, of the story. Okay, So remember, four types of soil, four different responses as the seed hits it. Okay, So let's go, move on and let's kind of look at this story a little bit deeper. And let's apply the parable of the sower. 
okay? Let's apply it to our lives. Let's take this story that Jesus gives us and help us to understand exactly what is being communicated so we can be more than just listeners of our story, but understanders of our story. And we're going to start with Mark 4, 13. Now, before I jump there, don't jump there quite yet, Monica, perfect. I want to explain something to you real quickly, what's happened before we get to Mark 13. Okay, Jesus is teaching these things and his disciples come to Jesus later on and basically communicate, listen, we don't understand the story. What are you, what are you talking about? What, what, is, what, what, do you, what do you mean seeds and, and scattering? And what, what, I, we don't understand this. So Jesus now is going to speak to them and help them to understand this story. And so we're going to pick up again the story here at Mark 4, chapter 4, verse number 13. And that's, this is what it says. This is important that you catch this. Then Jesus said to them, remember, they've asked, we don't understand, explain it to us. If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Now, I want you to stop, and we're going we're gonna to take a moment here because it's important that we catch this. In the book of Mark, this is Jesus' first parable, okay? This is the first parable that is recorded in the book of Mark. Another thing to remember, most scholars, most theologians feel like Mark was the very first gospel that was written. So if you want to think of it this way, this is the first recorded parable that Jesus shares with us, okay? I don't know about you, but that means something to me. That's like Jesus saying, hey, this matters. And if it wasn't enough for us to understand how much it matters, Jesus takes one step further and he says, listen, if you don't understand this, if you can't understand the concepts and the, and the things I want you to get in this, Everything else I try to teach you, you won't understand. That is how much this parable matters. That's how much our hearts matter. Because here's what I found. Okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. I may kind of be cutting myself off a little bit here and jumping ahead. But listen, I think one of the reasons why so many people at times have a hard time with understanding the teaching of Jesus, the lifestyle that Jesus wants us to live, all these things is because we haven't got this understanding down yet. We're trying to understand the teachings and the parables and the ways of Jesus, but our soil and our hearts are not the right type of soil. So here's what's beautiful about this. With God's help, we can become the type of soil we need to be so that we can grow, so that we can understand these things. This is a major statement Jesus is making. If you don't understand this, if you can't apply this, then every other parable you've ever heard, you're not going to get to the full extent that God wants you to get. Okay, think of your favorite parable. You're not going to get as much out of it unless you have your heart where God wants it to be. So this is, this is the first one. This is major, and we need to understand it. So now Jesus continues in Mark 4, 14. This is what he said. The farmer plants seed, 
by taking God's word to others. So now Jesus is beginning this, <laughs> this understanding of, of basically what the seed is. The seed here is God's word. It's, it's basically us, and as, as the seed is being scattered, it's those teachings, it's those parables, it's those things about Christ that we need to understand and know, and those things that hopefully we're sharing with others. So that's what the seed is. That's how it's being spread out. This is the good news of the gospel that we need to understand. Now, after Jesus has explained that, he begins to explain each different type of soil. And we're going to look at these individually, because here's the thing you need to understand. You're going to be one of these probably types of soil. And here's the thing. You may be one one day and one the next. And so as we go through these, what I'm going to ask you to do is be honest with yourself, honest with your heart, and begin to see, hey, which one of these soils am I? So that we can be honest and so that we can grow in this area. So we're going to start with Mark 4:15. In Mark 4:15, Jesus begins to explain each type of soil in the situation. Here's what it says. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Take it away. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at our hearts and we're going to look at the soil and we're going to compare each one and come up with an understanding of how our hearts are compared to those soil. And the first one is this. The first one is this. That footpath soil is the hard heart. The hard heart. That was an easy one. You know, the hard heart. But we're also going to look at some, some things about each of these, okay? So when we look at this hard heart, what is it? Okay, and this is, listen, I, I couldn't put all this stuff in your notes. It's going to be on the screen. You can try to write it in. We put some, some long lines, but we want to kind of give you an idea, but we didn't want it to be four pages of notes this morning. But so write down as, as you're taking notes, the things that really kind of speak to you about, first of all, the hard heart, which is this footpath soil. So let's go on to the next slide. And we're going to look at this, this hard heart. And this is what it says. The soil was beaten as hard as pavement by feet hooves and wheels. Once again, this idea of this is where the farmer, this is where the oxen and all that sort of, that's where they're walking. And as they're walking, it's getting harder and pressed down. And it's almost like pavement. You've seen ground like this before. Places where people have walked over and over and over again. And, 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 and it's made it hard and compact and very difficult. So when that seed hits, the seed just kind of lays on top which makes complete sense for them for a bird to come and take it away. This type of heart is really characterized by these things. And I just kind of put some things down. Busyness, okay? Distraction, sophistication. I found that so many times where I, I, I deal with people that have a hard heart because man, they're, they're, they, just, they just can't get their head around the grace of God. It just doesn't make any sense to them because why would a God so strong and powerful love us and care for us? And so it's almost like they can't get there and their hearts become hard. Distortion. Man, I've seen that so often, hard hearts, because people, whether they be Christians uh, or pastors or whoever, you know, they, they've distorted the word of God. They've changed really what the message is. And so it's caused there to be difficulty in that. Deep hurts. Man, deep hurts can harden our hearts. Betrayal. And, and then the last one, unforgiveness. 
unforgiveness. These are all things that kind of come and they, they make our hearts hard and it makes it difficult for God's word and God's truth and God's growth in us to penetrate those areas. And so because of that, the seed just kind of sits there on the ground and people will trample over it and birds come and eat it. And Jesus says it's, it's basically like the enemy comes and it hits and it just sits and the enemy just comes and it picks it off before it can even grow. Sometimes we have that hard heart. Sometimes we've allowed the situations and the circumstances of life to come and make our hearts so hard to the things of God. To the things that God wants to do in us and through us. So Jesus starts with this concept of a hard heart. Next he moves on in, in Mark 4.16. In Mark 4.16-17 it says this. He says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but they don't have deep roots. They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. This is the shallow heart. This is the shallow heart that's represented in that concept of the rocky soil, okay? Now, let's look at this one. Let's kind of take some time to look at this one. First of all, there's no depth, okay? There's no depth of life, thought, or spirituality. There's just nothing really there. Like we talked about earlier in Israel, in this area, there was maybe one to two inches sometimes of good soil. The wind blows hard enough, that's going to go pretty quick. And so there's a shallowness here. Listen, there in these types of hearts, in these types of life, there is little or no growth or fruit from their faith. Why? Because the, the roots can't get down deep. So there's not going to be a lot. There's not going to be a lot of those things. And listen, this is what your life can be like if you have this kind of shallow heart. It, life amounts to your newest toy, the sports page, an Instagram page, or the latest gossip. That is what your life surrounds itself about. That's what it, because, because there's no depth. There's nothing there that really those, those, those things can really get down deep and grow. We see this concept in Ephesians 3.17. In Ephesians 3.17, this is what it says. Is it up there? There it is. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. And as we do that, what happens? Your roots will grow down deep, grow down into God's love and keep you strong. If you have a shallow heart, listen, there's an antidote for that and it's Jesus. He is going to come and he's going to give you some depth. He gives us depth in our hearts so that our roots can grow down deep and grow and be strong. But listen, if your life is surrounded and all that matters is kind of the new thing or, 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 the, or, or how your football or, or soccer or, or whatever team is doing or, or you want to hear what the gospel, listen, those are all symptoms of a heart that is shallow that God wants to bring some depth to. Next, Mark 4, 18 and 19. This is what it said. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. 
This is the divided heart. The divided heart, which we see in this concept of the thorny soil. Now, the divided heart is different from almost any other type of soil, and it's important that we catch this. The, the, listen, the thorny soil is, is violent and aggressive, okay? Because remember, what happens? This is decent soil. Why? How do we know that? Because things are already growing in it. So this soil is good soil. This soil is already producing things. Now, is it producing good things? No, but it's producing things. But here's what's interesting about a divided heart. A divided heart will not stand very long to be divided. A divided heart will fight and is aggressive and violent against the things that are trying to divide it. So in this ground, we see as God's word is planted, as God's things are planted, literally a divided heart goes and attacks those things and does its best to destroy them. And basically what it does, it chokes out the purposes and the plans of God. Sometimes what I've had people say, oh, you know, I want to be a part of God's plan. I want to be a part of his purposes. I want to do all this. When I say, okay, it's great. Well, why are we having issues with that? Why aren't we doing those things? And you know what I found? A lot of times it's because there's a divided heart. There's things that we want to do, but we refuse to do because our heart is divided. It asks this, what do you truly love? We see this story with the rich man that comes to Jesus. And basically he says, listen, I want to follow you. What do I need to do to get eternal life and all these things? And, and basically the guy's done everything, quote unquote, correctly until Jesus says, listen, you got to sell all your possessions, all your stuff, then come follow me. And the guy leaves upset because he loves all these other things. What is the guy's issue? He has a divided heart. And when you have a divided heart, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be violent aggression in your heart. But it asks you, what do you truly love? What do you truly love? What's most important to you? If I asked you that question, what would be your answer? Is your heart divided? Because here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. We know what we should say. We know the correct answer. We know the Sunday school answer. But do we mean that answer? Is that truly what matters most? And the bottom line is because of that, because it's divided, because there's almost infighting, no fruit is produced. No fruit is produced. The last heart that we're going to talk about is in Mark 4.20. This is what it says. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. This is the fruitful heart. This is the fruitful heart that's represented by good soil. Listen, listen to what the harvest is for a faithful heart. It's going to be on the screen. A faithful heart, it has a harvest of character and integrity, a harvest of healthy life, giving relationships, a harvest of purposeful good works, and a harvest of growth 30, 60, or even a hundred times. Good soil produces that type of harvest. 
I want that type of harvest in my heart. And here's what's beautiful about this story, okay? You could be sitting there, and, and hopefully as you've been listening, you've gone, you know, sometimes I, 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 my heart isn't where it needs to be, and it, yeah, I identify with maybe that type of soil or whatever. But maybe today you're sitting there and you're going, you know, I, I'm doing great, I'm doing perfect, honestly, and my heart is just so good soil, and I'm producing all these things. Let me ask you this. If you're producing all these things, and that would be great if, if, if that's the case. That's awesome. Are you producing 30 times what God's placed in you? Are you settling for just 30 times the harvest? Because here's what's beautiful about this story. There's more that's available for us. You go, man, my heart's in a good place. That's awesome. That's great. Then I would say, are you producing 30 times? Are you producing 60 times? Because Jesus here is saying, listen, there is literally 100 times available to us when our hearts are where it needs to be. That's why our hearts basically um, determine our harvest. If our hearts are in the right place, all of a sudden God is going to start to use us and we're going to begin to grow and we're going to begin to multiply and bring forth a major harvest. Listen, I don't want to be content with 30 times, even though that's great, even though that's awesome, when, when 100 times is available to you and me. So no matter where we're at, no matter how our soil is in this moment, we can produce more. We can harvest more. We can allow these things to be used more. And listen, you look at our world today. The world doesn't need less of Jesus. The world needs a lot, lot more of him. And he chooses us to bring forth that harvest. So to finish this all up, very important that we look at this and answer this question. How do I become good soil? How do I become good soil? Because here's the thing. David had a heart like God. David's heart was good soil. But you know what? His heart wasn't always good soil. David, listen, David did some really, really horrible things. There's no other way to put it. I mean, he did some bad things. But yet God says he's still, his heart's still good. It doesn't make any sense. Listen, think about it this way. Saul sinned. Saul disobeyed. Saul did some terrible things. David sinned. David did some horrible, terrible things. David disobeyed. But yet Saul gets the kingdom taken from him, and David gets it established for all time. What was the difference? I would say it was his heart. You want to talk about how important heart is? Because David's heart was after God, because David's heart was, was basically good soil, God established his reign for all eternity through Jesus. I want a heart like that. But here's what we have to understand. To get that good soil, and it's in your notes, you've got to catch this. The key to having good soil isn't perfection. It is repentance. And listen, I get it. Repentance can be a dirty word in our world today. Because what's repentance? Repentance is acknowledging that you did something wrong. It's acknowledging that, that God said something and you did something else. You did your own thing. But David's heart isn't good soil because he's perfect. 
David's heart is good soil because when he fell and when he messed up, like we, he does and every human being ever has or ever will, David's heart was so good, he understood what he needed to do. And he repented. We have this amazing insight into the heart of David for many, many reasons. And one of the reasons we're talking about David is because not only do we kind of get this play-by-play of his life through the Old Testament, but because David was a songwriter, we get to see some deep, intimate feelings that he was having because of the songs that he wrote. And so one of the songs David wrote, and don't put it up there quite yet, Monica, is Psalms 51. Now let me give you a little background of Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is the song that David wrote after he was confronted by Nathan the prophet for his sin with Bathsheba and her husband. Okay? And when I talk about the sin with Bathsheba, obviously that was, you know, having an affair with a married woman, but then first-degree murder with her husband. So this is not this, oops, I stubbed my toe, spiritually speaking. David has committed murder and adultery. Big things. And so he is confronted by the prophet Nathan in a powerful moment. And David's the king. David can say, man, kill that dude. I don't want to hear this. I, I don't have to mess. I'm the king. But he doesn't. Listen to his heart and listen to what he writes. Now let's go to first, or Psalms 51. We're going to start with verse 1 through 4. Have mercy on me, O God. Now, now listen. As we read this, I want you to stop. Because some of you may have heard this before. And I want you to allow God's spirit to communicate to your heart, David's heart. Okay? Listen to what he is saying. This is good soil. This is the heart that we need to have. Okay? Listen. Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I have recognized my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. And then David goes on in verse number 10. And this is what he prays. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. So much. Listen, hear me here. Please, please hear me here. So much of our growth, so much of what God wants to do in us and through us comes down to your heart. 
comes down. And listen, I, I can only speak for me, but I will tell you something that, that when my heart is where it needs to be, my life is literally different. But when my heart becomes hard, when my heart becomes shallow, when my heart becomes divided, I can literally, I can feel it in me. I know that, that all of a sudden, when I let unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or, or, or uh, the, the cares or the things of this world, the lure of other things, I, I can literally feel it in me. And in those moments, it's not about, well, I can't believe that or this or that. It's coming to a place where once again, we pray the prayer that David prayed, which is creating me again a clean heart. Creating me the good soil. But listen, if your heart is divided or shallow or hard, Everything else that Jesus wants you to learn and understand and grow in won't grow the way God wants it to grow. It's just, I'm sorry, it's simple. It's right there. And that may not be fun to hear, but the beautiful thing is, listen, the beautiful thing is when we ask God to create in us a clean heart, guess what? God does. God does. He doesn't say, nope, you messed up too much. Nope, you're, nope, 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 nope. He does. Why? Because God knows how vital our hearts are. And God loves to take broken things and put them together again. So no matter where your heart is, because of God's unfailing love, because of his great mercy, God can put your heart back the way he wants it to be. And make a good soil. You go, but, but I'm not perfect. You know what? Neither was David. Good soil is determined by your perfection. It's determined by your understanding that when things get changed, when life happens and your soil becomes not what God wants it to be, that you can go to him and say, Jesus, listen, I messed up. I didn't do the things I should. I've allowed these things, I've become divided, whatever it is. And in that moment, Jesus can cleanse us and heal us and give us the heart that he wants us to have. Scripture talks about it a lot, how God wants to come and give us a new heart, all of us. And that's why, because he wants there to be a harvest in you and a harvest in me that is 30, 60, 100 times greater. Listen, hear me here. Understand this concept. If you are honest with yourself and you go, you know what, Aaron? I don't see a harvest in my life. Then I would say your heart needs to be changed. Because what I see in Scripture is when the soil is good, the seed grows and there's a harvest. If there's no growth in you, if there's no harvest in you, it's probably because your heart isn't where it needs to be. And that could be devastating except for the fact that God will produce in you a clean heart if you'll ask him. So even if you had it before and you don't have it now, God can bring it to you. Even if you've never had it before and you've got some hard, hard to, whatever it is, God can change you. No matter what heart you have, 
God can bring a good heart and a good soil and a great harvest in you and in me. So let's pray. Father, we come to you right now. And God, we thank you that you're so good. Father, we thank you that you don't just want us to grow, you help us to grow. And in this understanding of David's life, it would be crazy for us to go through his life and not look at the, one of the wellsprings of life, which is the heart. David's son Solomon in the Proverbs wrote how important the heart was. I mean, yeah, he was wise, but there's a part of me, God, that thinks maybe, maybe Solomon hung around his dad enough to understand his heart and understand how vital it was. And this story, we, some of us have heard it before, and oh yeah, the seed, and blah, blah, blah. But, but Jesus, you're trying to get us to understand something deeper. And that is, if we can understand this, we can understand so much more because our heart's where it needs to be. But when our heart isn't, there's not a lot of growth. There's not a lot of harvest. So Jesus, we are understanding that it's not about perfection, it's about repentance. And so, Father, I pray that, that for all of us right now, God, that your Holy Spirit would begin to reveal things in our hearts. God, I pray that, that hopefully as we were talking about this, that God, your Holy Spirit was, was gently reminding us, you know what, you know, that you, you, you kind of got a shallow heart sometimes. You know what, you, your heart is divided. Or, you know, your heart is kind of shallow. Maybe, maybe your heart's, you know, just, just hard, whatever it is. And Father, we recognize those things in us and we look to you. We come to you with a heart of repentance, with a heart of desiring you to make us clean and give us a heart that is fertile that can bring forth growth in us and in others. But Jesus, you want us to grow and you'll help us to grow. And one of the ways you do that is when we come to you and ask you to give us a new heart with good, fertile soil. So no matter how bad our heart has been, doesn't matter. You can bring forth something amazing in us. And so Father, I, I start with me and I ask that you, Father, would create in me again a clean heart. Father, you would remove in my heart those hard places and those shallow places and those divided places. And in me, you would create a clean new heart full of fertile ground. Because, Father, I want to see a harvest in our world, in our in our community, in our church, and in my heart and life. And Father, I pray that if that's us, that others will be praying that same prayer right now. And that, Father, you will create in them a new heart. You'll bring forth forgiveness and grace because you promised us you would. We love you. We thank you. John's going to come, the worship team, he's going to lead us in a quick closing chorus. Yeah. Uh-huh.
that prayer that that you said you know what God I I need you to come and create in me a clean heart listen I believe that God has done that in you okay I believe that God can can take any heart no matter how hard shallow or divided and make it brand new for him okay but you need to understand something we go back to Proverbs and in Proverbs it says guard your heart why do you have to guard something Why do you station a guard? You station a guard because you're trying to keep somebody out from getting in where you put the guard, right? Okay, that's why you put a guard there. If you don't want somebody to go into a place, you just put a security guard right there and he's gonna guard it. He's gonna keep people from coming in. Listen, now that God has given you a clean heart, now your job and your growth and what needs to happen throughout this week and throughout your life is you gotta station guards. So when the enemy tries to come and bring something into your heart that is going to be bring you back to that shallow or that divided or that 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 hard place you put the guard there and you say no i'm not letting you through i'm not letting you through and you go you know what but that's i don't know if i'm strong enough i don't know if i can do that listen with christ there with you you can do all things you have the authority and the power through the blood of Jesus and his authority to station a guard at your heart and say, nope, you don't pass. Nope, you don't go through because I'm guarding my heart and keeping my soil good because I want to grow and I want growth in others. So now that our hearts are where they need to be and even if God continues that process, let's guard them. Let's keep those things out that mean to kill, steal, and destroy so that our life and our heart can be good, fertile ground, all right? Father, we love you and you're so good. We thank you for this morning. We thank you that you want us to grow and you help us to grow. We thank you for giving us new hearts, hearts full of good soil where things can grow and mature and be awesome, that we can have a heart like David's and in turn have a heart like yours is absolutely incredible. And we can because you do amazing things in us. Because you take things that are hard and dead and shallow and divided and you bring forth life and life abundantly in those things. So we thank you for that. We love you. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for everybody for being here. I hope you have a wonderful week. Those that are online, we love you, we miss you, we hope you're doing well. Listen, if you need anything, whether you're here or online, we're here. Let us know, email us, keep us up to date. We want to pray with you, be there for you, even during this time, okay? So please remember, we love you. Anything you need, we're here. 
because we're a family and we want to act like it. But we can't read your mind. So please let us know so we can be there for each other, care for each other, and be uh, the family that God's created us to be, all right? Love y'all. We'll talk to you soon.